This is Risk Reward, the place where the next generation of insurance professionals are inspired and found. I'm your host, Darren Bloomfield, a senior risk management insurance and finance dual major at Butler University, where I'm also the president of our Beta Lambda chapter PMIO to Sigma. Joining me today is someone who has been in the industry for many years, the CIO at CRC for 10 years, CIO at RPS for almost seven years, and at RT for around two years. What a harder place to work with systems than a place without freedom of rate and form. Joining us is Mike Roy. Hi, Darren. Glad to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So can we kind of get into, you know, dark matter as, as you know, your founder and CEO of, of dark matter. Can you kind of talk about the transition from, you know, leaving the, the wholesale space and, and now, you know, these, these are your clients or can you kind of talk about where, where that idea kind of, kind of came from and, you know, with, with that opportunity. And then this was also, you know, during the kind of start of COVID, which I found super interesting. Right. So can you kind of give the the overview on on that? Yeah, happily. And again, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you. Um, So, you know, with, with, uh, you know, 20 years in the specialty insurance space, uh, you know, as somebody who at the organizations I worked for was, was ultimately responsible for, you know, business automation and, and reduction of, of keystrokes and efficiency and things like that. I mean, the the specialty insurance space is, is really ripe with just opportunities, uh, you know, to save people time and, you know, gain efficiencies. And I had a particularly good view, you know, at, at, at my jobs previously, because all of the organizations I worked for were highly acquisitive and, and bought a lot of organizations. And there were lots of conversions and consolidations to be done. So they were large, but they got large by buying many small uh, groups. So it was an opportunity to see how a really wide variety of GAs ran their businesses and how they used their systems and how they automated, how they interacted with their carriers and how they you know, represented rate and form and you know, conducted themselves. And, you know, I'd been in startups for a long time before I got into to this particular space and, and um, loved it and always looking for an opportunity to do something. And it, it all just kind of came together where the opportunity to produce a solution with the right people at the right time, you know, just kind of happened in, in May of 2020. And we put it together and started Dark Matter InsureTech um, to help MGAs. And uh, yeah, right. May 2020 was an interesting time with COVID kicking off. And um, I think it ended up being a great, great thing for us. Um, it it uh, allowed us to engage with our early customers and partners in a way that wasn't distracted by travel and hotels and airports and security and things like that. It had its challenges. But I think that as I look back on those starting months, uh, even until today, I think it was a good thing. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, that's that's so interesting. Like you're saying, just just being adaptable. Like the whole the whole way people did business totally totally changed. And then you know, I think like that whole concept of like people were before COVID were like so resistant to like work from home and like oh we have to travel everywhere whenever we want a meeting. And you know, I I don't think it's ever going to I don't want to be like ever, but uh, might not return back to to what travel was before COVID because because I think people are realizing like oh I can fit you know, three, four meetings in and one day from to come from my house instead of flying, you know, across all these different states and then worrying about, you know, time zones and everything that comes comes with that. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I, I had always traveled myself significantly for work. I mean, my last, you know, year pre-COVID and, and pre-Dark Matter, I was, you know, executive platinum on American, you know, I was flying 125,000 miles a year. Um, but my teams, the teams that I had put together um, that I was lucky enough to work with over the last many years have always been largely remote. And, and so I personally was very comfortable with that. You know, in other words, finding talent wherever you could find it and don't constrain yourself to talent in a very unique and specific space geographically because it just makes it needlessly hard. And I think what was different about COVID was that, you know, from, you know, the business owners and the principals all the way down to the work, you know, the underwriters and teams and back office, everybody was was having to work remotely. And, and it really opened, you know, the eyes of, of maybe those that had resisted it in the past to see that maybe I don't want to do this all the time, but this can work in more situations than they realized and and uh, and be productive. And and uh, that really helped us out. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think that's that's a great way to put it is not putting like those geographic restrictions on, you know, as long as they're doing the work, like you said, if they have, have that talent and can still contribute, then why would, why would you not, you know, want them to be, you know, working for your company? So kind of with that in mind, you know, in, in the last year or so here, like what was kind of your, your thoughts or how did you kind of start building a dark matter, kind of start building that a team out? What, do you, what did you kind of look for in these, these new hires? Obviously you had the, the network, from your 20 plus years in, in wholesale from, from that role. Uh, but how did you, you know, kind of decide or make those decisions of who to kind of bring in first and like how they would complement your, your skill set and then kind of really planning out that base foundation of, of dark matter, what it's, what it's going to be in, you know, the, the paths that kind of start going down that path. Yeah. Yeah. Good question. I mean, you know, so in, in the beginning, you know, what was important is, um, you know, knowing that, you know, we were going to leverage our, our experience in the specialty insurance space, particularly around intermediaries, uh, MGAs, wholesale brokers, and MGUs, program administrators. You know, that, that experience was most important. Um, it's, it's really tough to start a business, and uh, at least in my experience, and be teaching people, you know, a very unique and, and relatively small industry, right? So that was really the starting point. And so, you know, on the team early on were people like, you know, Eric Winch, who had written the AIM. You know, agency management system and Skylar Severns that uh, you know I'd worked with at RPS and did some work for RT when I was there, and he's my chief technology officer. And um, we've got a, a several folks from the specialty carrier space like CJ Ketter and Thelma Jacobs. And so, you know, whether it was working at the MGA uh, wholesaler or being a previous you know, vendor or service provider or being a supplier in the form of a carrier. Uh, we just wanted to make sure we had the, you know, the industry surrounded, right, um, from all angles. And uh, then it was just a matter of executing the actual um, software and the solution and starting to build it out with some of our early partnerships, you know, finding customers that were willing to help us test and shape the early solution so we could build it into, uh, you know, something that we could take to, to new customers and sell. Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense with that having the experience in in the industry prior and knowing, you know, for, for those clients, those, those intermediaries, what are those those business needs? What are those problems that, that you can solve? Kind of having that scope because you you already done that, like you already did that, you already worked on that. And then like having those those connections kind of with with that whole space. You know, I think that's huge. But then also as dark matter keeps growing, you know, I, I don't think you can 
insistently bring in people who have all experience. You're going to need like like new hires potentially from outside the the insurance industry. So what do you kind of look for in those those new hires who don't have that insurance background, like these developers or kind of the, the skill set and, and personality of your your potential new hires? What do you, what is your interview process or what do you kind of kind of look for in in this up and coming talent? Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, and and mentioning development, uh, you know, software development and everything around that, you know, the entire life cycle of, of creating commercial software and deploying and supporting it is uh, is probably the the best area to choose when when we think about how we we look for talent uh, outside of the industry. Um, you know, it's an even smaller group uh, within specialty. Uh, insurance to find folks that have, you know, architected solutions, right? It's 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 even a smaller subset. So it would be almost impossible. So obviously, you know, we're looking. It's a it's a more difficult hire because not only are you looking for the soft skills, um, you're looking for an engagement and and somebody who's eager and somebody who's keen to understand what the ultimate solution is and who it's for and what value it has. Um, you know, when I see those questions being asked and, and people really wanting to understand the big picture so they can put their work in perspective, that's a really important trait for us. And, uh, you know, in addition to vetting just the, the actual technical capabilities. And we work hard to teach them the industry and to, you know, constantly bring up concepts about how the industry works and reiterate those and enforce those. and and take them on a journey so that they continually understand, because I still don't understand it. I've been in it for 20 something years and there's stuff I learn about it every day. And so it's hard for them um, because it's, it has its own language and it has its own terms and it has its own challenges that they've, you know, unlikely seen before, especially the younger ones. So, you know, they, I want them to be engaged. I want them to be technically capable and I want them to be eager to learn about the company and the industry and um, to be able to put their work in perspective, because if they don't, you know, they're, they're not going to get any satisfaction in the ultimate work product. No, I think that's huge, that, that perspective kind of in mind, because you can kind of see, that, you know, the end user that you're working towards or kind of that pain point that you're trying to reduce and then make more efficient. So because, you know, it's such an ongoing process, especially with kind of these big like merging acquisitions and having to combine all, all these systems. It's like the day to day. You know, I, I've never done it, so I, I don't really know. But like, it seems like very like nitty gritty. A lot of down in it, kind of doing like that day to day work. But then, you know, once that project is is kind of done, or you've rolled out this new software, then you can kind of see like, you know, the appreciation of wow, like this producer used to take thirty minutes to rekey all this data, and now they can do it in five. Or like, and then keeping not only like your client in mind. The, the wholesaler, but then also like their client, you know, like, oh, if I can get the quote to the retailer quicker, then the insured will get the quote quicker. And it's being able to like see that, that benefit uh, uh, to society, that, that net positive. And I, I think exactly what you said without, without that perspective, right. or without really understanding the, the concept of insurance and, you know, what, what insurance means to our, means to our economy, then, you know, that work isn't very as fulfilling as, as it could be. So I think that that's huge. That's, you know, it's, uh, and, and I mentioned Skylar earlier, he's great at that uh, with the development team and, and teaching them and bringing them along. And, and again, having the vendor and the NGA and the carrier space all represented, um, you know, we can all be there to, 
to help them on their journey. And it's it is a journey because you can't you can't learn the space, you know, in, in a short period of time. It takes a while. And um, but but that's you, you said it well. Um, that's what we look for. That's what we need. And, you know, at Dark Matter, we're building digital workflows. And I know that being in an MGA, that those are it's very difficult work to do. And they are balancing a lot of other things, like you mentioned, you know, anybody who had a job like mine in an MGA who are now my customers, you know, we know that, you know, they're just trying to keep the lights on. They're managing infrastructure and servers and staff and and they're doing, you know, um, you know, managing a, an agency management system and policy issuance and and, um, you know, a, a lot of components. And there, you know, there's a lot of acquisitions going on and consolidation and you know, audit and regulatory and, and uh, things like that, that they all have to juggle. And so we, we picked a segment of the market that we thought that a lot of people would be interested in, that a lot of people struggle with and are trying to build it out as a scalable, replicable digital solution. Yeah. Well, I, I think we have to kind of get deeper into defining like what is that solution of, of digital workflows? And then also back to what you were saying of of the client base of you had to because you know especially now with all like the merchant acquisitions kind of going on you know like the wholesalers are getting more condensed these intermediaries there's not enough wholesalers out there where like you can you know if half of them didn't you know value what, what you were doing then you just cut down your potential client base by by half so you needed a solution that would be able to a benefit to to everyone and so then you can hit all those those wholesalers as potential clients. So what was kind of that, that like brainstorming process of, you know, our expertise, what what can we offer? And then really being able to like get into the weeds of like who would want this or like how would we work with these these uh clients that are like out there? Like how can we be a value to them? Right, right. Yeah, no, perfect. I mean, I you know, the the truth is when when we stopped and thought about product ideas. There, there were a lot of them. And, you know, I, I think it's along the lines of what, you know, everybody struggles with, whether it's data and analytics or it's, you know, rekeying of data or, you know, the significant use of, of back office, um, whether it's internal or external, you know, the, the, the people were struggling with. And, and so we tried to choose something that kind of checked a lot of buttons and solved more than one problem. And I'll give you some examples. And, and also just as a backdrop, you know, over the last 10 years or so, there's been a huge proliferation, especially on the binding authority side, of carriers taking um, rate and form administration and representation out of the MGA environments and putting it basically on their portal and giving those portals to their, their MGA relationships, their distribution partners, to be able to log into those portals and key data in and keep them in that actuarial, you know, box, if you will, so they can get you know, indications to bindable quotes and issue policies and uh, really kind of almost agency management functionality. And it's very valuable to the carriers to, to do that. What that means to the intermediaries, though, is they now have multiple carrier portals or rate quote portals that they have to deal with, that they're not integrated with. And as you said, the impact of that is a lot of rekeying of data, taking more time in the business acquisition and renewal process, which means their customers have to wait longer. And when you increase the complexity of that transaction, you also erode the data in the agency management system. Because if you had to rekey data multiple times onto rate quote portals, whether they're carrier or comparative raters or whatever, 
you're going to be very minimal about if you're a producer and you're just trying to get to a yes and a bind and a paycheck. You're going to be very minimal about what you enter in the agency management system. So the impact has been to erode data in the agency management system while making the business acquisition process more complex. So that's where we're diving in. And when I say digital workflows, a lot of BPO vendors and um, structures have popped up over the years to, to be able to pick uh, you know, manual rekeying tasks up and move them off of the sales desk and give them to a back office, whether it's setting up a new submission or typing policies or ordering inspections. But there's still some things that the underwriting teams have to do when it comes to market selection. And so we focused on the the process of creating digital workflows between agency management systems and all of those detached sources I just mentioned, right? So whether they're rate sources or comparative rating sources or carrier portals or data vendors, our solution is made up of multiple components that allows an actual data interaction between the agency management system and those disparate sources. So if you have data in the agency management system, we can push it out anywhere to start a process, to give a jump start to a process. If you need to retrieve data, full quote data, for example, back from a carrier portal with a click of a button and search your own agency management system to find a submission to assign it to or clear and create a new one, we can do that, right? And, and so this is actual digital, right? This is not efficiency at wage arbitrage because I'm giving it to cheaper labor to do it. And this is basically taking all the platforms that exist in the space today and rather than trying to change the space, work with all of those platforms to connect them. Yeah, well, I think that that's huge is, is just with where intermediaries play in, in the market with, with the wholesalers, they're, they're working with the carriers and they're also working with the retailers. So what you're saying is, you know, to connecting these disconnected systems and kind of finding a way to automate it, but it really takes you know, all, all three sides to kind of come together and give like a little skin in the game or give up, you know, a little autonomy, give up a little authority and really like trust the, the distribution partners. So you're connecting these these systems across these these different companies. And as you're saying, you know, it's speed, it's efficiency. And even like on the, the E&O side for, for these distribution partners of, you know, it's reducing errors. And, you know, also is, is with like that, that rekeying of all, all the data you know, when is when is this data collection actually helpful or when is it, you know, so much cluttered? Yeah. You know, if I'm if so many people are, are touching this this one task, this one policy, like that's that's not efficient. I think finding out how to get less hands on, on this task or even, as you said, no hands, just being able to to automate it. I think that's that's awesome. Yeah, a couple of there's a lot of good stuff in there. Right. And I'll, I'll give the, the example I kind of talked about earlier, which is, you know, when a carrier gives a portal, right, you know, to do rating and quoting or policy typing to an MGA. It, it gives them a place where they have to enter data, but there's also a, there's also a need for them to represent that data in their agency management system. So that's the that's a digital delivery. That's a that looks like digital to the carrier, right? But it's manual to the GA, and so GAs are doing the same thing, right? They're they're building portals to give to their retailers, and that feels like. And mo when you hear, hear the term digital, that's what most people are talking about. They're talking about a portal that they're giving to their customers. And it feels digital to them because somebody's keying it in a portal and they're, it's saving them keystrokes and time and efficiency, but it's not efficient for their customer, right? So I call that first-person digitalization. It's not really true end-to-end -end digitalization at all. And 
you know, the data side of things is is a, is is a difficult one. I I know a lot of organizations are under a lot of pressure to capture more data uh, on on everything, whether it's wins, things you win or things you don't win, and to get better at analyzing it. And, I, and it's tough when you don't have a lot of detailed units at risk information in your agency management system. It's hard to even imagine if you did what you could do with it. And so sometimes people are on a you know, fast track to get as much as they can, and and others are, you know, a little more measured about we really need to start capturing this information, and here's how we're going to use it. But regardless, everybody's on some level of that journey, and I'll give you a, a workflow example, right? That we have right now, and not not a sales pitch, but just what we, one thing that we have to kind of give you an example. If there's a submission in an agency management system that's been cleared, and then I don't know, there's ten data fields in there, right, or so. And we can take that and push it. And right now we could push it to like, a, let's just say a comparative rating tool, like a Clarion door. And the underwriter doesn't have to rekey that data. And that next platform that we've integrated with is going to prompt them to enter anything that's missing. And it can give them all these indication results across 15 carriers, right? And that can help them on their journey to understand appetite, to understand where to take the risk and where to market it. It can help a seasoned underwriter make sure they're spreading that out. It can help a new underwriter understand the marketplace. And then that platform can launch you to carrier portals without having to rekey data, right? And then you can pick up where you left off on the carrier portal. Now, we can also take the data that was entered in that rating platform and push it right back into the management system, let them continue their journey to one of these carrier portals. And then we have the ability to download the complete bindable quote data set into the agency management system, creating a full bindable quote. So you've got a situation there where you started with a very few data elements in the agency management system. You never rekeyed anything. At each step in the process, you only added what was needed and what was missing. And at the end, you got the full data set back into the agency management system as a quote ready to send to the retailer. And you got more data back than you actually entered because by bringing data back from the carriers are getting, you know, rate worksheet type information and things that you didn't even key in, but were related to the rate and the and the price. And so it's a pretty cool thing. And, and when we start showing it to people and they see the round trip and the light bulb starts to go off and they see how easy it is to get data and how much faster they can do things and don't have to repeat things. And you're right, not making errors, taking away that E&O and being more efficient and agile they're getting not only the first quote back to the retailer, but they're getting the best, most data enriched quote back to the retailer. Yeah, I, I think that that will definitely like change. Well, as you're saying, like that, that light bulb going on. You know, I think for these producers, that they're, they're they'd realize like this would change the way that they work. You know, like just kind of building out like the renewal book and kind of like that timeline of oh, 90 days out, got to start you know setting out the next month or the next couple months, and then even with with new business, but then just narrowing down like that that timeline from 90 days to lower totally i mean to what you're saying sounds like it well yeah go super quick right yeah for sure you're absolutely right i mean what you know what's interesting is and what we're finding now that we've we've you know as time goes on is that when we have a, a more full data set at the beginning of the bind right because we've gotten everything as the carrier represents it now we're in a position, the, the producers are in a position, if they maintain that, that policy and they service it um, and keep it up to date, that the, the renewal processing is much simpler. So now they have a full set of units at risk at renewal 
um, that they're not casing anymore. And it does make renewal processing, you know, much more efficient. And and so now we're finding that, you know, we're as you think about that workflow I just described, now we're adding additional components. You know, we just did a we just did a premium financing integration. So now if somebody's looking at a quote, they download it from a carrier with a click of a button, they can attach a premium finance quote and agreement. And now we're adding uh, things like inspection order, you know, with a click of a button, now that you've got say property data in there and you just found it, click of a button, you can send to a, you know, API enabled, you know, inspection vendor or a data vendor, you know, like a hazard hub or a core logic or a map risk, you know, to fill in units at risk you know, or risk level detail for a border row, for example, you might need it pre-bind to get distance to coast. We just keep building this inventory uh, of interfaces and pushes and pulls, and the customers are then able, based on who their carrier relationships are and their data relationships are, to put them together in any order they like. But they're all digital. Yeah, I think what you're kind of saying is having like that library, all these tools that they can use, and then kind of tailoring them to to what they're trying to do or what they're trying to improve, and then how the concept you've created will will apply to their business or how, how they already are, are operating. That's exactly right. And everybody does things a little bit differently or wants to do things in a slightly different order. And our solution doesn't care. Um, you know, we, we can have producers start in a comparative rater and push a cleared new submission into the management system. They can start in the carrier portal and push, you know, that data set to a newly created cleared submission or to an existing submission. Or they can start in the agency management system and start with, with what they have as a push out. You know, so we're very workflow agnostic. And, you know, that kind of comes back to us knowing how the, how the industry works in that, you know, a lot of organizations are built through acquisitions and those acquisitions all did things slightly differently. And you can be in an office with two producers sitting right next to each other, writing the same lines of business with the same carriers, and still they're not doing it exactly the same way. And that's okay. And that just goes back to that philosophy is we're not here to change the industry or create data standards that don't exist or tell the carriers they shouldn't have portals or whatever, right? It's just understanding why it works the way it works and connecting it as it is. Yeah, as you're saying, everyone has their their own style, and you know it's not your job to come in and and try to change the way people work. You're trying to reduce the friction, uh, not add to it. And then you you just have me thinking about the future now, and I'm kind of thinking, you know, what like how will the role of of a carrier kind of change? You know, how will the underwriting process be different from how it is now versus like five, ten years ago from now? You know, like are we kind of see this trend continuing of of the carriers? Giving more authority, more access to to their their systems with this uh, like digital digital integration, kind of to to their distribution partners. Like, do you think that they'll get to a point where like the carrier is really just becoming kind of like like a bank? You know, have that capital, and it would be like uh, for the distribution partners. Uh, and then you're kind of re underwriting like the book as a whole. Like, you know, every couple months, like, oh, did we price this wrong? Maybe we should kind of change some rates or kind of look at our policy forms a little differently or like, like, do you see the role of, of an underwriter changing? Because as you're saying, like, you know, with these portals, you know, somebody has to do that, that grunt work, you know, if it's the broker, the retailer coming in and filling out these portals. So then for the, the review process, the underwriter has it all there. But then 
as you're saying, like you can kind of automate these processes. So it's not yeah. that we're taking away jobs. It's just we're making everyone's job easier. So so how do you kind of see this trend like contributing? Like how how will underwriters work different or how will carriers function differently? And then like how does the whole process become more efficient for the distribution for the for the brokers? Right, right. You no, know, great question. A lot of great topics in there. I mean, you know, what true digitalization does over a long period of time is beyond my ability to, you know, to speculate. If I just think about what the impact we can, you know, within a few steps can see, uh, especially when we talk to our carrier partners, is that what they're really looking to do is deepen their value and their um, their relationship with their distribution partners in, in the MGA and wholesale broker. And by making themselves easier to work with and by, you know, enabling themselves digitally, you know, by by using some of our components to open up their endpoints and allow us to create those digital connections between them and their distribution partners, they want to be make themselves even more of a market of choice. You know, a lot of them are markets of choice just because of their reputation and the you know their their position in in the market in general, but they understand that ease of use and ease of transaction. If an underwriter is making a decision about where to take a risk, and it's six of one, half dozen of the other, you know, um, I think the feeling is that they're going to, in in all of those cases, go to where the path of least resistance. And if you can say, not only is that the path of least resistance, but that's the best path. That's the path where I get the most data. Right. And that's the path where I get the best quote and the transaction is easier and I have more analytics to boot and I can do it faster without E&O concern. Just tick all of those boxes. I think the carriers look at that and go, yeah, we want that. We want to do that. And so if you think about that, I, I think it just deepens an existing relationship and, and gets them more looks and, and gets that makes them easier to work with. And that's really the immediate response as far as the underwriters go. You know, I could I'd look at what they've done with BPO vendors, and if they pick stuff off of off of their desk and they give it to a, a back office in their organization or to a vendor that does it, what happens is they then right size their staff and their workload around not having to do those things anymore. And I think that's the effect we'll see with digital workflows is when they are piecing together a significant amount of pushes and pulls. And it's happening at a certain speed and they're getting a certain amount of data and value out of it. It would be very difficult to take that away. And, and I think they will, their teams will right size around that automation as they've right sized around picking up tasks and giving them to somebody else to, to basically process at a, at a wage arbitrage to an SLA. But this, you know, which is different than what we're doing. We're doing it actually digitally, but I think they'll adjust accordingly, regardless, the same way they've done with BPO. I think that's a good point of how how does the carrier become a better partner to the brokers? And like with that, you know, all these all these carriers have like different systems and, you know, different on, on like the back end. So like one solution that you apply for for this uh, this wholesale client to one carrier it's not going to be the same solution to a different carrier that they work with because the carrier systems are, are differently. So how do you kind of That's right. go through that or what's the conversation of, you know, approaching, approaching the carrier? Because these, these changes to their processes, you know, that, that takes time and, and costs money to, to do. And then these brokers, 
they might might not even be be using it or or adapting or adopting to to these new new systems how do you kind of balance that and like what's your your tricks to kind of have have that conversation with with the carriers yeah no no tricks i mean it's a pretty straightforward conversation i've been on many carrier automation advisory boards and i know what we ask of them and you know this industry because of the freedom of rate and form and the way the the purpose of the industry and how it operates it makes it very difficult if not impossible to have a, a data standards like accord standards like they exist in say you know the standard lines marketplace it's just not the way this works and it's really by design you know the you know the purpose of the market so to your point yes the carrier systems are different the lines of business are different their back end systems are different but none of them have a full end to end nobody has a full end to end data standard that we can all use right so our approach kind of the same way i described how we don't enforce workflow we let customers piece that together how they want to our, our discussion with the carrier is you know we know why you've been asked to create some digital interactions and why there's been very low adoption we know why we know it's because when an MGA does that with one carrier, as as to your point, you can't just pick it up and use it for the next carrier because they're very different, right? And so it start, it really falls off very quickly. So what we tell them is, don't do anything different. We can give them a, a very lightweight component so they can embed. They have to do no coding. They point to any endpoint that they have now. It could be a web service, API, it could be JSON, XML, it doesn't matter. Give us work with any format that you have that's replicable and that's not going to change. And so we kind of trade standard for convention, right? And so the work for them is very, very lightweight. And once they embed our component, we're in control of whether or not it even displays or not. It would never display if you didn't have other components on your desktop or your published desktop at the MGA. So it's kind of a install and forget for the carrier, right? And so we, you know, knowing how much money they've spent on automation tools and the light adoption, it was very important before we started talking to them in the beginning that we be able to say, you have to do next to nothing to enable us to create digital interactions between you and your MGA distribution partners. And if we weren't able to say that and execute against that, we wouldn't be where we are today. No, that's, that's huge. Uh, and I'm kind of thinking now about the th threat of of like insure techs kind of coming in into the, the market and like would you say there's kind of like a pressure to these existing wholesalers to become more efficient or else they'd have to compete you know once once the insure techs like if insure techs come in and the, these insure techs get you know market access if they gain some some premium share with with these retailers like i think it's kind of like uh either the existing players uh, become more efficient and and change and evolve and adapt, or you know someone else will, will come and kind of be, beat them yeah. to it. Yeah, I I uh, I wish the specialty insurance space you know had more insure tech solutions targeted for it, and and uh, you know it was on the verge of some massive uh, revolution, but I don't think that's the case. I think it's more a um, again be, if you think about you know what is it a seventy-ish billion dollar space within a you know, multi-trillion-dollar you know, larger PNC space, and it's a complicated space in that you know b because of the freedom of rate form and the lack of data standards and a limit in a smaller customer base and 
a limited number of vendors and solutions, you know, it's hard to attract a ton of money and get the return on that type of investment that you could get by selling directly to the standard line carrier space or the retail space where there's just more of them and there's more capital there. So I see it more as a, a continuous iteration on workflow enhancements and digitalization, as I've described, I, I hope, you know, collection of data and use of data, right? I mean, those are the types of journeys that I think, you know, some wholesalers and intermediaries are on faster and better than others. And and they they already have and will continue to have real competitive advantage for those, you know, looking to adopt them and, and use them and not just stop with what they've done and be comfortable with it, right? And uh, that's hard. That's hard to do. Uh, it, it, it's hard to run a business and um, embrace the mindset that the automation and the operational efficiency and the technology is something that's constantly going to change, need to be fed and updated. And that mindset is much more prevalent in the space than it used to be, but it's not prevalent enough. So what would you kind of say your your interaction with with your clients is, is like, you know, is it kind of a one project at a time or is it kind of like a continuous process? Or if they're doing like an M&A, would you kind of come in and help with that? I mean, obviously, like you you and your team definitely have have the network and in, in, in the reach to where like these are warm conversations. You know, it's not like a cold call. But then with that, like what what is kind of like that that interaction or, you know, is there kind of a, a set endpoint to it or is it kind of a continuous thing or, or what is the interaction yeah. with your clients? Yeah, it's a great question because, you know, we because it it's it gives me the opportunity to describe it as continuous because it really is. Right. In other words, as I as I, you know, talk to a prospect about what we're doing, what we have, what we're working on, they have the ability to see you know, what they could leverage immediately. And that can that can start with a proof of concept in a test environment and demos or just a, a contract and a purchase of an interface. But they can see that I'm going to start with this one, but then I've got 10 more that I can just start adding to them. So it's an interesting thing in that we have a, a really strong group of customers now, big and small. And we really see it as an opportunity to to help them put multiple interfaces in place. So, you know, we'll start with one and, you know, we'll start with the process of, you know, the sales and the demo and we'll go into a test environment. We'll prove it out, validate it, you know, where we're pulling data from and where we're pushing it to. And then we'll push that into production. And then we'll come right back into the test environment with that second interface and do the same thing and then come back in with the next one and the next one. So, we see it as continuous because RGAs don't just deal with one carrier. They deal with multiple carriers. So if we can connect to multiple carriers, they're going to want them all. They don't have just maybe, you know, one rating source, or maybe they have a, a, a couple of inspection companies or data vendors that they use. But they're all a continuous process of getting to multiple interfaces so they can piece an entire workflow together without rekeying data. No, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Just continuous, continuous improvements, and, and always a, a way to to improve efficiency. But as you're saying, the the whole business model of the existence surplus space, uh, freedom of of rate and form, and there's no standard standard operatings for you know any other carriers. Our own system is different. It just sounds overall like a, a challenge to to efficiency as a whole. So I mean, it all sounds like very difficult, you know. So how 
how would you kind of make that that pitch to to somebody who you know works in technology is interested kind of in in that day-to-day work and has that expertise but you know maybe they're outside of the insurance industry maybe they're working in a different industry how how would you you know attract them to to this industry yeah it's a good question because you know the you know in, on one side of things you know the work will never end right if if the industry you know if the role of the industry stays the same and it's always dealing with very complex risks or new risks and emerging risks not you know the the lack of efficiencies will be there by design forever you know so the ability to find a place to work and have a a career of solving problems this is a great place to do that i mean we could you know get into the role of insurance and in the in the economy and and you know the what could and couldn't happen without it right that's a whole another conversation but with specialty insurance i think a lot of people are interested in it because there are so many solutions to 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 solve and it's a very interesting industry in terms of the types of risk that are here and i think that's just you know always kind of intriguing you know how do you how do you insure a satellite launch or you know or a fleet of trucks or ships or you know just it's interesting right if you really tell people what we're doing it's actually very interesting but there's no end to the automation so you know i i wish we were doing a better job as an industry at attracting younger talent in the fields of of software development and automation and and um i think that's an opportunity for us you know uh you're a great example of how we're finding great young talent to come into the industry and you know on the management production underwriting broker side of things but i i think we could be better at attracting the type of talent that can take us further in actual digitalization automation data capture data analysis you know i, I honestly couldn't can agree more with that i mean as you're kind of saying it's it's how, how to make like the best out of a, a bad situation because the the wholesale space has those inefficiencies by design but then also you're just trying to make it more efficient and how how you you can improve these processes but also like the whole concept that it's stru- like structured of like isn't going to go away you know like right. like that that's why wholesale exists the wholesale space exists because you know these these new emerging risks and new new innovations new product lines and the the adaptions of of business are that's why they go into the wholesale space because what we have to do to ensure these risks can't be done in in a regulated area on on those those standard forms that's right yeah and i and i've seen over my time many 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 situations where a vendor or a team member has come into this space anew and they've come into it from a maybe a retail background or a standard lines background and you know their immediate reaction is always just the gnashing of teeth about you know what's not happening in the space and it's so hard and complicated and I thought it was going to be easy and why don't you do things differently and why are there not standards and why isn't everybody not doing it the same way and blah 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 and you know it, it can be very frustrating and um, not that there aren't opportunities to make you know big industry changes and improvements for everyone and and I've done work to do that kind of things on various committees with WSIA but um at some point you have to just uh, get stuff done and make things happen and that's what we're trying to do at dark matter and and we're just trying to leverage our particular 
good or bad, we're trying to leverage our, our particular knowledge of this industry to the benefit of as many people as we can reach. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then on that note, like people are as a whole, you know, society kind of resistant to to change. So when you're coming in with these these technological automations, you know, long term it will improve, but then that that short term of oh, we have to learn a new system or kind of that that human element resistant resistant to change. How do you kind of figure out where where those pushbacks will be or where these you know show stoppers will will kind of occur? Because because as you said, you know, everyone kind of wants to like be left alone and kind of do their own thing, and they they don't really want to you know as we talked about earlier, everyone has their their own style of of how they work. So. What's kind of your your role in that kind of coming in and you know laying that all out on on the table and kind of describing like those those benefits? Yeah, you know, as somebody who's been around for like close to two hundred acquisitions and, and system integrations, right? Knowing the resistance, you know, always having this problem. And my team did this. Not like I did these personally, right? But you know, you know, my team would go in and they'd look and do these gap analysis of you know how people are working and. As we kind of roll people up when I was working in the MGA space, wholesale space, you know, how are they going to work in this new environment? What are all those changes going to be? And we got to train them and we got to identify the gaps and fill them. That's hard, right? That's really hard. That's almost impossible. But what we're doing here is saying, no, 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 leave all the systems you use now in place. You don't have to learn that carrier portal or that comparative rate or, or your agency management system. We're just going to give you a button to push and pull between them. And, and we're going to tell you, you can start in the management system, you can start in the radar, you can start in the portal. We don't care. So this was key to our thinking when we started designing this. And Skyler's done a fantastic job and his whole team, you know, in putting this together um, so that they can ask us, you know, how should we do it? And we can literally say, well, here's all the things you can do and we don't care. Because we know sometimes you're going to start here. Sometimes you're going to start there. This office is going to do it that way. That office is going to do it that way. But in the end, if we can make it faster, more efficient, get more data, reduce the E&O. We're solving the same problem. And um, so um, that philosophy was key to the way we designed the solution. So I, that's kind of how we've addressed it. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. So, so to, to wrap up here, uh, we covered a, a lot of topics. Just an overview is uh, we talked about the environment of of the wholesale space, kind of like that freedom of, of written form, and and these lack of these inefficiencies are are by design. You know they're they're not going to change. Let's just let's just always going to going to be in this space. And then we talked about the the foundation of of dark matter, the the product idea, and how you uh, structure it to tailor tailor it to to the client base that that you wanted to to attract. And then a little little advertisement is uh, help wanted, uh, software development and automation <laughs> experts needed. <laughs> that's right. That, and that's an industry message, right? Yeah, we everybody could use <laughs> yes, some good. We all could use that. That's, that's well stated. Well, thank you for your time, Mike. I uh, really appreciate it. Darren, I enjoyed it. This was a lot of fun. And uh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Risk Reward. Like what you've heard, find more episodes at the National Alliance website scic.com or download directly from Spotify or wherever else you get your shows. If you would like to get more involved, please fill out our listener survey. Your ideas and feedback help us bring you the most relevant content.
Be sure to subscribe for the newest episodes.